0: Live from cities and towns throughout the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's On the Road series. May the narrative be with Sorry, you. This Um, I remember the very first day of the first grade. It was after the lesson was over, and I was laying on my tummy, and I was coloring in my coloring book. And there were a couple other girls around me, and I was trying to impress them, so I was coloring really hard. But I wasn't very good at coloring, because I don't see great, and I wasn't staying in the lines. And I got up to get another crayon, and I came back, and someone had taken a black crayon and had scribbled all over my coloring page. Well, I was devastated, and I started to cry, and I just got so upset, and I went to the, and I said to the girls, I said, but why? Why would you do this? And they said, it's ugly. And all I heard was, you're ugly. Well, I just burst out into tears, and I went to the teacher, and she said, Stop crying, and she gave me a new coloring page, and she said, Go over there and color, and I went off over there, and I colored by myself. Well, you know, I felt so upset. I went home that day, and I told my mom all about it, and my mom wanted to make me feel better, so she told me the story about the ugly duckling. And I don't know if you guys remember this story, but the ugly duckling is that extra egg that's in the nest. And when that egg hatches, it's very different than all the other ducklings. It's kind of awkward and funny looking, and it just doesn't look like it. And that duckling is made fun of and humiliated by all the other ducklings. And it goes through this very horrible young life until then finally one day it turns into a beautiful swan. Well, when my mom told me the story, all I thought was, wow, even my mom thinks I'm ugly. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of an awkward kid. You know, I, I don't see well, and I'm clumsy, and I, I, didn't, I didn't have fashionable clothes. So I was never, ever popular until I met Karen. And Karen was just amazing. She was just a whirlwind of energy. She was so much fun. And we would, as soon as we got together, we would we would spend hours on the phone together, and we would have these huge sleepovers that would start on like Friday night, and then would go all through the weekend. And you know, I'd go home Sunday, and I I mean, the whole time we were like, you know, on the reading fashion magazines and talking about boys and music. There was all this great new wave and punk rock music in the '80s that we were super into, and we were just becoming these very different people from everyone around us. Um, Karen and I were both kind of outcasts. I mean, I was an outcast because I have albinism, and I don't see well, and I'm kind of pale, and everyone thought I was funny because I squinted a lot. Um, And Karen was African-American, and the school was predominantly white. And she could hang out with other African-American people, but there were very few biracial friendships. And she and I were just like thick as thieves, inseparable. Um, So, we, we were just separating ourselves from those other kids. While all of those suburban high school kids, they were going to football games and they were going to keggers in the woods. And she and I, we would spend these weekends, we'd go thrift shopping and we'd put together these outfits and do our makeup and we would sneak out at night. And we would go to dance clubs or bars. And you could still do that in the 80s. It was insane. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that craziness, that separation, we, were, we had just left them, in our minds, we had left them behind. Well, along came May, and in May of your senior year of high school, it's prom season. Now prom is like the ultimate fashion showdown. So Karen and I, we didn't really want to be a part of that because we thought, oh, how stupid, suburban prom? Why, Why even bother? But I think deep down inside, we both really, really wanted to show those kids up. <laughs> but we had two problems. Number one, we had no money for prom dresses. And number two, we had no dates. Well, um, <clears throat> about two weeks before prom happened, I got a check in the mail for $200. And, like, I had never had more than 10 or 20 bucks in my pocket at one time, ever. So this was just a monumental amount of money. And I told her about it, and the first thing she said is, I have a plan. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) And, like, when she said it, I had this, like, moment where I had to let it sit with me. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I trust you. I totally trust you. And I just turned that money over to her. Well... Um, we got to that point where we were just walking down the street and we stumbled into the fabric store. And she went in and she picked out a dress pattern that she could make a dress for each of us, but it would be different, similar, but different. And then we started to look at these beautiful swaths of fabric and she picked out this gorgeous midnight blue taffeta that just went so good with my pale skin. And for her, she had this beautiful cafe au lait skin tone, and she picked out this great red satin for her that she paired with long white evening gloves. And we went back to her house, and we took over the living room. Now, her living room was all, like, white carpeting and all mirrored walls. So, and we turned it into our fashion war room. And all we did was we, we started copying the pattern and pinning it and cutting and pressing and sewing, and it took hours and hours. But we got these two dresses together. It was almost a miracle. I had no idea. I didn't even know if Karen could sew. I mean, I remember home at class. I made an apron. I got a D. I'm pretty sure that this whole plan, I'm like, I don't know, How did it come together? But we had one other problem. We still did not have dates So I told her, and she said, Oh, well, I got that covered. And she called up her cousin, Butchie, and said, Hey, we got to go to the prom. I need some dates. You got it? Butchie was like the professional prom date. He was 19. He was tall and so handsome. And he had this... He owned his own tux. And he was like, I've got it covered. I'll get a date for you, Karen, and I'll be Beth's date. Well, We just got our shoes together and jewelry, whatever. And the night of the prom, we were literally sewing ourselves into those dresses, stealing the stays from her mother's dresses to help fix the little problems. (laughs) (laughs) But we looked good, and when we came down those stairs, those boys were just blown away. Their jaws had just dropped. They were like, oh, I can't believe this. So we, we get in the car, and we're running late kind of a lot late, and we get to the prom, and everybody's there, and this is 1986 in suburban Pennsylvania, so these girls, these silly, ridiculous girls are wearing these gigantic hoop skirts and crinolines in these, like, pale blue, or peach, or pastel yellow, and they're in these pumps, and they can't walk, and they have these ridiculous fake curls, and Karen and I just get out of this nice Lincoln Continental, we just glide in. (laughs) Very elegant. We've been practicing all year for this. So I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, wow, these are still girls, and we are young women. And we went into that prom, and we turned heads because I'm white, and she's African-American. My date's African-American, her date's white. We were the only interracial coppers there. And we just turned everyone's head. And we actually started to get notice from the popular crowd, those people that would never speak to us in a million years. They started to come over and invite us to their special after prom at the country club, a country club where you and I both know that none of us would ever have been invited before this. Well, Karen had a plan. Karen always had a plan. Um, She said, no, no, that's fine. We actually have a real party to go to in the city. And we'll have to, we just, we just stopped by to say, you know, hello to y'all before we went to our real party. And so we, you know, we did a couple of dances, and then we left early before the king and queen were named. We didn't care. We were the queens of that ball. We knew it. And, well, we went and got in the car, and we're driving away. And I remember Butchie driving, and he just leaned over and he said, All right, Grandmaster Flash, what's your plan now? And Karen said, I don't know, just drive just drive away. Look good. <laughs> and we got on the highway and we're driving along. And we like running out of gas. We like pull into the Howard Johnson's and we have like 20 bucks left. And I think we all had pancakes at 1130 at night. And we just barely had enough to pay the check. But <clears throat> well, we drove back to Karen's house, you know, sheepishly hoping that no one saw us. <laughs> And I remember changing out of my beautiful dress and into my pajamas. And I left my makeup on because I was very particular about who saw me without makeup. And I, I, we were in the living room. We were watching movies with the guys. It was one of those co-ed sleepovers, Lawrence. And, uh, <clears throat> so I, but I remember looking in that mirror, that wall-to-ceiling wall mirror, and it was the first time that I actually caught a glimpse of that swan.